Bueller, 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 Bueller. Wake up! Good morning! Terry Wilson, he's going to throw. Conrad! Touchdown, Kentucky! Touchdown, Kentucky! <laughs> Victory, Kentucky! Like, give your fans what they want, you dinguses. She probably smokes marijuana. Bad, bad girl. They Rubbish! There's buggers over here. <laughs> Back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond belief. We did it. We beat those British We bastards. beat the British. Suck it, Cornwallis. Ten kids. You're basically pregnant for 20 years. Pregnant or breastfeeding. Just wild. Like, that sounds exhausting. Potheads. What an adorable... What an adorable bunch of people. Woodson from the gun. Play fake. Step it up. He's throwing deep down the near sideline. He's got Johnson. 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Kentucky. Jesus, Rash, get it together. It's game day. Come on. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump Day edition of Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, December 28th, 2022. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, Justin Kalen, all here to start your morning. Chilly morning, but it will heat up. Uh, get the warmest that it's been in a good while today. So that's that's good news if you like warmer weather. I suppose. And it's a game day edition of Kentucky Roll Call. The Cats, SEC opener against Mizzou tonight, 7 o'clock on the road for UK. As usual for this season, or what has been the norm this season, if Kentucky's going to pull off the win, it'll have to be away from Rupp Arena, at least in terms of meaningful games. And this one is. And we're going to talk about it today. I'm really excited for it to start tonight. Uh, although, give me till like the first TV timeout, and I may wonder why I was so excited for tonight's game. But I'm <laughs> pumped. Uh, meaningful UK basketball game. Nick Roush, how are you doing, buddy? I, I'm excited as well. Uh, I don't want to say nervous, but there is a little bit of like, okay, guys. But this is like this is getting real. Let's let's get it together. And you just you just hope that they have it together. We've we've seen them seemingly look like a quality basketball team at times but it's rarely against the the great team so mm-hmm. um let's let's pull it all together i'm a little nervous too i'm excited but like i'm nervous of what a loss will will mean not just for our radio show but just for for big picture concerns so yeah i'm a little nervous as well but that's that's good it means maybe meaningful basketball is right around the corner and, and that's a good thing uh maybe even tonight the way some people would look at it scoots how are you doing buddy i uh i'm good i too am excited it seems like we haven't had basketball in oh, like a week uh it's been all football for the past week or so so excited i too am excited for basketball just a, a meaningful basketball game as opposed to just some lower level teams that i don't really care to watch so yeah pretty pumped we get a true road atmosphere as well which is exciting and this this will go against your conference record all the way up until selection sunday and, and sec tournament standings and and all that sort of stuff it is you won't think about it come March 8th or 9th or whenever the SEC tournament starts. But you probably should. 
if Kentucky ends up being a game out of first place, is tonight's game the reason why? They all matter. They're all counted, and, and we're pumped about it. So we'll talk a lot about that game today. We gave a little analysis yesterday, but that's all right. Uh, just act like you didn't hear it, uh, and we'll give you some fresh new nuggets today. Roush, did you watch all four of the football games yesterday? Did you stay up till nearly 2 a.m. for that Wisconsin-Oklahoma mm. State game? Holy smokes. I, I, I did not. I did wake up and see that Wisconsin won and covered. Um, I, I, I was a little disappointed that none of my friends would uh, take – Go, go! I, I, I thought the Purple Pirates were an easy pick, and they they cruised to victory, East Carolina over Coastal. Um, couldn't get any action in on it, um, but you know, it's still enjoyable. I'm um, did not stay up late though. It was weird in that the guaranteed rate bowl, which I still am not sure exactly where that was played. Um, I need to have some sort of like if it's going to be just there there for a while. It was just the tax layer bowl. It needs to be the Taxler Gator Bowl, so I at least have an indication of where it's being played. They did that with the Birmingham Bowl for a while. Luckily, they at least have that name back now, so I know where it is. No idea where Guaranteed Rate Bowl was. Also, it was kind of weird. I don't know if I'd ever seen this before, but Luke Fickle was the defensive line coach last night for Wisconsin. Jim Leonard was still the interim head coach. It was a little bizarre. That is bizarre. So I'm glad you, you brought that up because after the game, if you're unfamiliar, what started this regional coaching carousel was Luke Fickle somewhat head-scratchingly leaving Cincinnati for Wisconsin. That opened up the Cincinnati job for Scott Satterwhite. And then, of course, Nick's uncle, Jeff Brom, came back to L. And it, it was strange. Lucy had a rough night for whatever reason. We don't think that she's sick. Um, so we were up pretty much the, a, a good a good chunk of the evening. So I, I would you kind of flip on the TV, and the game was still going on really up until 2 a.m. Uh, don't ask me any analysis or X's and O's about the game, but it, it did at least it was on in the background from time to time. And at the trophy ceremony, I thought it was so weird, Roush, that Luke Fickle was there, and I had no idea why. I was like, that's not usual to have – the new head coach who hasn't been with the team, but like a couple weeks, if that up on the stage, receiving the trophy. Uh, but that's, that's the situation they found them in. Uh, so that makes, that makes more sense. Uh, and then I think Luke Fickle gave the trophy to the interim head coach and everybody was happy. And it was a really nice moment. They were in Phoenix, by the way, but not mm. playing where the Cardinals played. They played at chase field where the diamondbacks played, which honestly, if you're ever going to go to a sporting event in Phoenix, I think I'd rather go to one that is in downtown Phoenix instead of out in Glendale, just based on some traffic nightmares there. But uh, yes, I also had no idea where that game was until I just looked it up. So there's our answer. <laughs> wow, we did it. Thanks, Google. Hey, speaking of know, speaking of thanks, stadium, speak, what's up, Scoots? Speaking of thanks, thanks, Roush, for uh, telling old TJ and Scoots about Eastern East Carolina. Appreciate that. Yeah, I always, I always hate when somebody on this show comes on and they're like, oh, "I was a lock of all locks." No kidding. Well, Let us know. Well, I'm sorry, guy. That was more of the Bears pick than my pick, though. The one pick that I had that did. So I, I follow, like, I kind of keep an eye on SP Plus numbers just to see where their projections are. The Memphis Utah State bowl game. Memphis opened as a ten point favorite. The number went down to about seven and a half. And SP Plus called for a 20-point Memphis win. It was so 
I, I was almost hesitant to even play it because like that that's just so such a wide discrepancy. Like you normally don't see power ratings calling for 20 point wins. But I was like, whatever, I'll just I'll just ride with Memphis and they end up winning a blowout. Um, but yeah, um, full season, a lot of fun. I, I don't think I have any any action for today's games, though. Um, did you see, TJ, that Pelotron is sponsoring the military bowl today? Wow, I'm just happy to learn Pelotron has some more money left over. I, I thought for sure they were heading on a one-way street down to being bought by somebody else, which well, maybe they are, but you have to have some coin to be able to sponsor a game, right? That was, okay, so I, I think it's like our joke has come to life because it's actually like it's a it's paratron paratron. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What what, what bowl is this? The Paraton oh. Military Bowl. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just seeing it in writing. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean it really is like our joke just became real and I don't I don't know what uh, like what is Paraton? Um like it, it it reminds me of uh, the in the other guys, the company that he works for Lindell Global and they're like, yeah, they just run a bunch of ads, but nobody really knows what they do. That's what this company looks like. Fearlessly solving the toughest national security challenges. Together, we do what can't be done. So, like, I guess they're just a military. Uh, what do you what do you call those military contractors? Yeah, they're sponsoring a bowl game. That's great. Uh, it, it is kind of sad. I I did actually think you meant Pel- Peloton, and I was like, oh, that's good that they actually do have money because they they are probably going to get like Apple or somebody's going to end up buying them. Um, and I don't know, maybe it won't change the experience at all. Maybe it'll make it better. But I did get excited for a brief moment. But uh, And how did Duke won eight games this year? That is the shocker yeah. of the century to me. Um, Mike Elko has been a longtime defensive coordinator and got a new job. And that he crushed it this year. They, they won a lot of uh, – I mean, like this kind of goes back to our conversation about the ACC where – if you have some competent football, you can come in and, and and win some games in a hurry. I'm I'm curious how like if that's a three year stay where he could go next because Elko he's he's been a defensive coordinator at a bunch of big schools. Uh, I think most recently he was Jimbo's DC at Texas A and M. I think he was at Notre Dame. So Elko is succeeding right away at Duke. That could be a recipe for a big time job somewhere else. Um, I. Is the I believe we get the Holiday Bowl tonight too, which actually yes, Holiday Bowl at eight p.m. That's going to be um, for your your post UK because Kentucky Missouri is at seven, correct? Yep. So after this, we get the Holiday Bowl, and I'm fired up for the Holiday Bowl because the Holiday Bowl over the years in San Diego has just produced some classics, and I. It just gets a little bit crazy with these high-scoring affairs. And Oregon versus North Carolina's offense, that has the recipe to be a high-scoring affair. So um, I got the under and the Tar Heels as touchdown-and-a-half point underdogs. Two touchdowns. I can't hear that without thinking holiday ball. just want to sing that every time. (laughs) I like it, Scoots. What people nationally probably look at, the UK to the Music City Bowl, Oregon to the Holiday Bowl. Yes. It, it seems like they're like mm-hmm. a permanent staple in that in that game. Should be a great jersey combination between mm-hmm. the Ducks and the Tar Heels tonight. And you're right. Uh, it could be a little two-TV setup night, and then you'll have two football games going on at the same time. 
with the Texas Tech Ole Miss Texas Bowl later this evening. As Love well. the Red Raiders. Love the Red Raiders. The, the The only thing I'm worried about with North Carolina, Oregon, is North Carolina's offensive coordinator left, and their defense stinks. Their defense is so bad. So that, that's my only worry about that, either staying close or just being a fun back and forth. But Texas Tech Ole Miss should be a good game as well. I think Tech's like a four-point dog, something like that. And they've uh, they've been sneaky good. Now, most of their big wins this year were at home. But um, I, I feel like when you have a team – like Ole Miss was, what, undefeated, top ten in the country for half the year, and then they, they stumbled down the stretch. Texas Tech is riding a high. I, I, I think they've kind of exceeded expectations, whereas Ole Miss is probably upset to be in the Texas Bowl. So that's, that's why I like the Red Raiders. Yeah, in a different world, Kentucky definitely could have been playing a game today, whether it be the Liberty Bowl, which is Kansas and Arkansas, or that Texas Bowl, which it seemed unlikely UK would have ended up in the Texas Bowl, but it was on the table and talked about. Instead, it'll be the Music City Bowl on Saturday at noon, of course, the same time as the UK rivalry game against Louisville, which we've talked a great deal about the Cats are in Nashville, the football Cats. The basketball Cats are, are in Missouri. Just yes. keep tabs on the, the individual teams here. But they, uh, the football team is in Nashville. They practice mm-hmm. in Vandy's indoor stadium. Nick Roush will be heading down to the Music City after the show today. Is it every so far so good down in Nashville for the football Cats, Roush? Uh, everything I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, they, they spoke to players after practice yesterday. Destin Wade was running with the ones, uh, for, for a lot of the, the practice periods. And, uh, Barion said that him and Destin, they've, they've been working on their handshake for a while for when they score their first touchdown. So hopefully, hopefully we get to see that rolled out Saturday against Iowa. Yeah. I, I've, I've thought about like just the different ironic scenarios of what could go down in the game on Saturday. And the one that I keep coming back to, and maybe I need, I don't want to jinx it, so I may need to come back with a more negative opinion here, is like, wouldn't it be something, though, if Wade just went out there and kind of like looked really good at quarterback, and you had maybe just like a small portion of the fan base be like, well, why are we even bringing Leary in? Couldn't you, couldn't you see a scenario like that happening? Or no, is that too far-fetched? See, here's the thing. For me, I can, but... We, we did our, our football podcast preview last night, and Freddie's I, – I, I think the biggest thing working against Destin Wade, as Freddie pointed out, was that not only is this new offense kind of stuff, you're being thrown in as a first-time starter, you're in your hometown, so you got a lot of guys kind of, hey, uh, they're in your ear, whether they're your friends or family talking about how great you are, or you're getting advice from Will, or you're getting tips from Vince, or Woody, or whoever it may be, blocking out the noise is going to be a challenge. I I think if you played almost any other defense, then he could have a recipe for being just a, a gamer, a playmaker, who can rip off t- some huge, huge plays with his feet just by putting stress on the defense. Just the, the big problem, TJ, is that like, the reason why I was good isn't necessarily because they do a bunch of crazy, like it's not like Zach Arnett's three, three, five, where they're doing a bunch of exotic stuff and teams aren't used to it. And it's just hard to pick up. I was just disciplined as hell, Like they don't make a ton of mistakes. They wait for you to make a mistake and then they capitalize on them. 
And like that's how Destin Wade, like his path to success would be to get defensive breakdowns and take advantage of them. So while I do think that he does like he's just a ball player and there's an opportunity for him to create some big plays. The fact that like this style of defense is what he has to face, in addition to just being pulled in a bunch of different directions, the odds are stacked against him. Uh, but I, I'm certainly going to be optimistic and hopeful entering the game because like this dude, he he might be the Mr. Football, Mr. Amazing, like the numbers he put up in high school. If he's just half of that in college, then he's going to be a fine quarterback. So like that, there is a path to that. It's just that the odds are stacked against him. Totally agree with you about Iowa's defense. It's a really tough matchup. UK could be at full strength with Will, Will Levis under quarterback and scoring over 20 points may be, may be tough. And getting to 20 points could have – maybe it wouldn't even have happened. It wouldn't have been the most shocking thing in the world if that would have been the case. So instead, you kind of have a mix and match, uh, banged uh, – you know, the offensive line throughout the entire season has had issues – uh, but now you don't have your star quarterback. You don't have one of the best running backs in school history. It's going to make it even more challenging. But it it's exciting. It's a good opportunity for Wade. Um, if it was a terrible defense ranked in the triple digits of college football defensive rankings, Wade could go out there and put up put up a, a solid game, and everybody would kind of default to, well, it was a crappy defense. It was a bowl game. Maybe they didn't care. Blah blah blah. But if he goes out there and he does good things against Iowa, you won't be able to ignore it. Um, I'm just not so confident that's going to be the case because Iowa's defense is really good. We already mentioned UK's missing some offensive players. And it's a tough assignment for UK's coaches too, Roush. The UK offensive coordinator that was the OC this season is gone. And you got a kind of a, a, a mix-and-match group of people that are going to take over the show. And not only that, as we've mentioned now four times, it's against one of the better defenses in the country. It's a tough job for those coaches. And, you, you know, I'm sure somebody probably has the final say. Maybe it's the head coach and Mark Stoops. But you could even have people with different opinions on different game plans or what would work based on what they see in the Iowa defense. Uh, it, it is a tough job for this offense as an entire unit, players, coaches, the whole group. And it's probably going to be another situation, and we've had this happen pretty much the entire season. You're going to have to lean on the defense and hope the defense can get your offense in some good positions and maybe even some, score some points themselves uh, or potentially a big special teams plays. But Barry and Brown kind of has a, a strike against him. Every team kind of knows, don't let that guy beat you. So special teams, it seems more unlikely that would happen. But it may be going to have to rely on the defense on Saturday. The under says as much, but... Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, it, it would be nice if we got a big play from Barry on, but I do think they're going to try their best to kick away from him. I mean, after all, Iowa does have an awesome kicker, awesome punter, um, too, because, of course, they've got an awesome punter. It's Iowa. It is. You, you'd imagine, probably a good tight end somewhere on the roster as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. great tight end. Sam Laporta, he was a Mackey Award finalist. Um, he also was apparently running some Wildcat yesterday, some Wildcat quarterback, because I think he's their backup if that guy gets hurt. Huh. So we could have a tight end play quarterback in this game. And that, and that is one thing, as we talked about for five minutes, about our concerns about UK going up 
against Iowa's defense. Iowa's offense will have to go up against UK's defense, and not mm-hmm. that UK's defense is at a hundred and ten percent strength, but it is still the has the major advantage in that matchup. So, Roush, why well, I think a lot of people, myself included, how is UK going to score? What's the offense going to look like? I was going to have to score on on the other side of the ball as well, and they've got as many questions, if not more, than the Cats do. So that's going to be yeah. interesting. What are you seeing from that side of the ball? Oh, just Iowa stinks. <laughs> I mean, they have all year. Now, granted, they did actually show some life uh, in the in the final month of the season or so. Uh, I, I can't name the games off the top of my head, but like they put it on Purdue, and Purdue actually had a pretty good defense this year. Um, they ended up scoring some points later on, but that was also with Spencer Petras at quarterback. So things are going to be different. They've got a decent running back. You figure they would just lean on him and then throwing it to the tight end. But uh, the the new quarterback, too, first-time starter, he's kind of like Wade as well and that he can also run. So it's a little – it is it is a, a weird the, – these teams are more similar than – they should be, you know, like it's it's just yeah. it's kind of crazy how similar they are. So really, what it comes down to though is, I mean, like this is there's going to be some probably some big plays early on while they're on script, and then after that, it's just a field position game. And Wilson Berry, you got to punt the ball well, and you, and you can't make these back breaking mistakes. Like who who's going to make the the one or two really big plays on defense? Who's going to make the back breaking mistakes on offense that cost mm-hmm. them? Uh, Jordan Wright playing in his final game. It'd be nice to see him uh, go out and make one more crazy play to, to help get Kentucky a win. This well, I was going to say I, re- I enjoyed Adam Luckett's story on Jacquez Jones, and uh, I think it's kind of cool that he's really excited for this bowl game. It makes sense that he would be really excited for this bowl game with the season he had. People forget he didn't play against Iowa last year, uh, so he, he, he gets a chance to go against the Big Ten team. I like that story from Luckett. He's excited. He's excited to get out there and hit some people. You're right. Defense, go out there, make a play. Go out there in the first quarter, get a defensive touchdown, and let let the offense exhale a little bit. Uh, that would be that would be good. But you're, I, I totally agree with with your take on the game. There's going to be a big interception or a fumble or a muff punt or a miss snap mm-hmm. on something. Uh, there will be a. It, it, It'll be somebody not necessarily giving the game away, but making life much tougher on themselves with a silly mistake. Which team will it be? Find out Saturday in the Music City. But, Scoots, I still kind of want to bet the over, man. I just, I don't advise that. I mean, to me, especially listening to you all talk about the game, and and I've, I've heard more people than just you all talk about it, but it seems to me like a, I don't know, 10-6, 13 7, somewhere in that range, that, that that's going to be the final score. It just, I get that impression. I don't know why. I, I hate low scoring games. I would love to see an explosive offense on both sides of the ball. I want to see all the points in the world, but it just does not feel like that type of game. No, it does, I mean, it definitely doesn't. But isn't that like part of the reason to maybe hedge into it? No, it just, to me, it seems like you're throwing money away. <laughs> throwing money away. But it'll make okay. it even more fun. I'm telling you, TJ, I got you your win with LaSalle against Louisville. I'm telling you, the smart thing to do is not bet the over here. Lipscomb, wrong bad L. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Roush, let me ask you this. At halftime last year, the Cats were enjoying a double-digit 
lead over the Hawkeyes. Iowa only scored three points, and it was a 13-3 to game. Does UK have a half where they allow not a touchdown on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, that can happen, yeah. If that's the case, you got to win. And UK did give up, you know, they got outscored in the second half against Iowa. We all remember how that one how that one played out. Good news for UK. If you can go all the way back in time to January 1st of this year. Uh, but but if you have a half where you don't allow the other team to get in the end zone, I mean, if you don't come away with a win in that game, you should probably be a little disappointed. I can also see a scenario where it's like 17 nothing or 17-3 at halftime and Kentucky just can't get two touchdowns in the second half or three scores to to overcome that. Wouldn't yeah. wouldn't it be the same on the other end if I were to ask you, Roush, can you see Iowa having a half where Kentucky doesn't get a touchdown? Your answer would probably oh. still be yes, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that just didn't happen last year, dude. So that you know, we don't speak it into existence. Gotcha. Yeah. No, not last year. Earlier this year. My B. My B. Uh all right. Let's go. I'm getting more excited about it, talking about it. I think once you're down there, Roush, and we, I see your oh yeah, pictures your juices are flowing. Oh yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna have a you're gonna have a good you got a fun few days planned. You're gonna be college Roush all over again. You're gonna be watching the Missouri game tonight. I'm sure you'll have a few adult beverages while that's going mm-hmm. on. And then, have you found a ticket for Titans Cowboys for tomorrow night? I have not. I figured I would just. I'm kind of hopeful that we just get like some uh, some really downtrodden Titans fans that are trying to unload their tickets. Because have you have you seen the the storyline going into this game? No. What's the so, storyline? The Titans and Jags are currently tied atop the AFC South. This week's game doesn't matter to either of them. Just whoever wins in Week 18 in their season finale goes to the playoffs. So both teams could just sit everybody. And the Titans have actually, they, they've done this before. They did it with Derrick Henry in 2020, 2019, something like that. So the Titans might be sitting guys uh, when the Cowboys come to town on Thursday. And could be a huh. big stinker. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that or realize that that all was in play. And I'm a little disappointed. I figured somebody, whether it was just somebody that's read your work for years on KSR or even a KRC listener, they would have offered you up a ticket. Have you ever been to an NFL game before? Uh, I watched uh, Bengals Patriots when uh, Brady and Gronk were at the height of their powers. Andy Dalton was uh, still throwing it around. So it'd probably be like 2016, 17, something wow, like that. Okay. Brady. Yeah. And it was like the most, it, it, it was the script for a perfect Tom Brady game. You know, Fourth quarter, final drive that goes down and wins the game. So it was fun. It was fun. But yeah, that I've only been to one. So the old Red Rocket blowing a football game. How about that? Mm, big surprise. Who would have thought? Uh, all right. Well, somebody get Roush some tickets in the NFL game. I know they're super cheap. So help help a help a fella out. All right. We're gonna hit our first break. We'll come back. Uh, we can talk basketball. We need to. We will at some point in the show. And we've also got the Thornton's text line. Remember, Thornton's, it's delicious, it's nutritious, and it's the best way to start your Wednesday. Pop in one of their 14 million locations around Louisville. Seriously, Thornton's are everywhere. And download the Refresh and Rewards app. The first thing that will happen when you download the app and you open it up, once you're signed in, of course, it's going to show you what gas is at the, at the nearest location for you. And if you can save money, go to another location. 
uh, you can find all that information as well. Great breakfast foods, too, to start your day. Hump Day edition of Kentucky Roll Call returns after this. TJ Walker, Nick Rouch, Justin Gala. No, sir, man. I don't like that crap. I'm a rocker, dude, through and through. Here's my favorite bands. ACDC, Van Halen, not Van Hagar, Skinner, Def Lab. All right. Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. I want you to settle down. Don't make me call your probie officer here. Welcome back, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports Radio, 96 11. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen on your Wednesday edition of KRC. Get your text into the Thornton's text line, 502 414 1450. Roush, have you seen the Stuart Mandel tweet going around that Friday, December 23rd, uh, on broadcast or cable, all programs, not just sports, Wake Forest, Missouri, Gasparilla Bowl was the most watched thing on TV. Did you see that? Um, no, I, I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, who, the Gasparilla Bowl is a tradition unlike any other. Everybody wants to see Eli Dorkowitz up close and personal. Um, shout out to uh, Wake for covering that, too. Which sounds like Ralph has been on a heater. Yeah. Bowl season, baby. It's my favorite. And not letting us know. It's definitely not letting us know, Scoots. And I think bowls are some of the toughest things in sports to bet. Oh, like, they're my favorite. I think it's really like probably what I do best. Not, I guess, uh, you know, that's interesting. I think it's tough. But if you're doing like the research and you know who's playing, who's sitting out, and the biggest thing is just motivation factor. Like which team yeah. is playing for something more. And with you talking college football every day, sometimes multiple hours every day, yeah, I guess it probably would be pretty good for you to kind of know which team maybe has a little bit more in the tank, which even makes Scoots and my gripe even more egregious. Well, and, and it is there is guesswork to it, and um, I always do the thing, too, where I, you know, only pick like six, six or eight, and then I end up betting most of them, right? Like... Um, just you know, a few minutes before the game, I'm like, ah, let's get a little action on it because it's the middle of the afternoon on December 27th. You know, so like, why not? Um, but but I, I think a lot of it though really is, I mean, fading the Mountain West. Like, there's just some there's just some principles that you can get away with here, where you're like, okay, I know that like on paper it should be closer, but like th- this team wants it more. Like, like East Carolina. The Purple Pirates, they perform well in bowl games. Coastal Carolina, their coach left. Their quarterback was only play, like he was entering the portal, but he was playing in that game. And then he ends up getting hurt. I don't think McCall got seriously injured or anything. But like that when when you have a lot of weird stuff happening, uh, typically it's good to fade that side. That's what makes the Music City Bowl so weird, though, is because there's there's some weird stuff happening on both sides. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so that that's why it'd be typically kind of like a, a stay away spot. Yeah, that was one of the the few moments of that game that I saw. And one was surprised McCall was playing just because I thought he was transferring. And like, you know, it almost there was a moment. I know that things change, but there was a moment where 
it looked like he was going to Florida or Auburn and everybody was so mm-hmm. sure of it. And then he's play like that's that is kind of unusual that you see him playing in the bowl game with that going on. So is he not going to transfer anymore or his grades just that like how could his grades be that big of an issue? Apparently they were only an issue at Auburn, but I don't I, I don't know why they ended up ultimately going with Mertz over McCall at Florida. Uh, maybe it was a style preference for Billy Napier. I, I, I don't really understand that aspect of it, but I could see where maybe he wanted to play in one final bowl game with his team. He's been there forever. He's three-time Sunbelt player of the year, and it was almost like here's some tryout tape, if you will. Now, things didn't go according to plan for McCall, um, but I, I, I could see that kind of being the case while you played. I remember Emory Jones – he played in Florida's bowl game last year, which I want to say it was against UCF. Um, it was against one of the other Florida schools, and I think they lost. But he was like, he was going to transfer, but decided to play in the bowl game anyway. And then changed his mind, went to spring practice, and then decided, oh, yeah, they're just going to give it to Anthony Richardson. I am going to go ahead and transfer. Uh, went to Arizona State, and now he's, he's going to be Scott Satterwhite's uh, quarterback for Cincinnati. That is interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah. That, happen? that was um, lost in the shuffle, like signing day, right gotcha. around there. Um, but, um, oh, another thing about Scott Satterwhite, uh, UK is recruiting an offensive lineman, either offensive lineman or defensive lineman, from the state of Ohio in the 2024 class. His last name, Satterwhite. No way. Yeah, so Kentucky could get a Satterwhite. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's gotta, you got to make that happen. <laughs> Wait, I'm confused. Is it Satterwhite or Satterfield? Yeah, it's actually sad or white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if someday he could ever win like Governor's Cup MVP, and I, maybe Bashir would, I think, well, I guess it, oh. if he's reelected or not. By the way, have you seen the Kelly Craft ads on TV? I have not seen the ads yet. I, I saw where they were rolling them out this week. Oh, they're heavy this week. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I just need somehow Bashir to congratulate Sad, Mr. Satterwhite or Mr. Satterfield. Like, get it wrong the other way. <laughs> oh, well, cool. Is UK going to land them? They, um, I don't I, I don't know if it was on three or whose crystal ball it was, but it had UK as the favorite, so. Hey-o. Well, good. Uh, the whole Stuart Mandel, we, we, as we so often do here on Kentucky Roll Call, TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. We go 7-9 Monday through Friday. Uh, the whole I was going to do just like a, a short little topic on, I, I don't, just because the Gasparilla Bowl was the most watched that day in television on December 23rd, as most uh, a good half of the country was going through some of their coldest temperatures of the entire year. Um, I still want a bowl restructuring, Roush. Probably never going to happen, but just because that get bowl game was watched a lot, I think that's even more evidence that you need bowl game restructuring. You're sitting on a gold mine. You have a meaningless Wake Forest-Missouri mm-hmm. game getting good ratings. I mean, they're really not that great of ratings, but to lead all of television that day, I think it tells you around the holidays there's a market for college football. It can even be better, as we've seen with bigger bowl games. I still wish they would restructure things. And what does that mean? Find a way to make these games more meaningful for the players that are playing in them. You can't do it for everybody, and I understand that. And it's always refreshing, as I mentioned in segment one, to get quotes from Jacquez Jones talking about how excited he is. You've had a few other Kentucky players mention how pumped up they are for this game. 
like put a hundred thousand dollars on the line for the winning team and their players in each bowl. Yes, bonuses, how, bonuses like, for wins. Like you know, you have a money gun on the stage after uh, the the Pelotron Bowl today, or whatever the military Pelotron Bowl, whatever it's called. It'd be amazing. It'd be a lot of fun to see. I still think just because you have solid ratings doesn't mean that bowl games shouldn't have shouldn't be churched up a little bit polish them up a little bit make them a little bit better make them a little bit more exciting and you have a perfect time to do it with the expansion of the college football playoffs you can just say hey we're going to take a step back we're going to re-examine the whole bowl structure and once that 12 game playoff rolls around even the other bowls are going to be more exciting too we're we're doing this for the fans and i know i'm dream weaving here but it would be cool no i see what you're saying though like instead of all right, players, all right, here's a vacation, and you get to pick out some Bose headphones. Like, or here's another swatch. Like, go ahead and uh, Steve Spurrier joked that he had to open up his Spurrier's grill in Gainesville just to get uh, just to get all the stuff out of his house. His wife was see- tired of seeing all of his fossil watches all over the damn place from all the bowl games. But making it financial, like, Part instead of paying all the money to the conferences of the schools that are playing in them, having some of the the payout go to the players would just make sense, right? Like get they it's it's like the best gift. It's just cash. Like give them cash instead of some stupid gifts, and they will appreciate that ten times more. So that 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 could be a a, a reasonable way to do that because like that that's what this is all about is the money, right? So like. I don't know. Just give some of it to the players. I know schools would probably be against that initially, but if it meant playing in more meaningful games, it would make the games better, and then they can make even more money, right? I, it's a. It seems like a win-win for pretty much Ooh. all parties involved. The money's already win, there. Win, win. We all win with a win, win, win. Mitch Barnhart would be like, "UK is strictly playing in the charity bowl. No way they're playing in one of those frivolous spending." big money bowls they're playing in the scholarship bowl this year oh which by the way uh i was ad there was some article last week about him complaining about nil too him and mitch they're gonna have a real hoot nanny down in nashville together oh he was complaining about nil i mean they're yeah they're they're basically the same person when it comes to all this stuff Who Get was all on you know hold on there was a new head coach that got in hot water because he oh who was it matt rule did you see that people were getting all upset about him the new nebraska head coach because he said we don't want people if people are just looking for the biggest payday and the best nil situation it may not be the person that we're looking for here at nebraska did you see people getting all worked up about that um i did not see that but like isn't that kind of like typical coach speak I don't, that's the thing I can't understand is how have people not caught on to that is a lie. Like that, with the exception of maybe Dabo Sweeney, with every other coach says that, and and Dabo is a nut. You see his name, image, and likeness quote? Yeah, yeah. We played that uh, when you were out Thursday. Yeah, okay, good. Got Uh, his name, image, and likeness. Absolutely. Which, by the way, he's he's Jesse Gemstone, right? Like he's a lost Gemstone brother? He is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I've got nothing wrong with being religious, but that was a wild, wild quote, and everybody, (laughs) I think, would probably agree with that. But how have people not caught on, with the exception of Dabo Sweeney, any other coach that says, 
I, you, it's kind of what you have to say for your bosses. If you come out and you say like, oh yeah, we're promising you the biggest paydays possible. We don't care if you hate it here, but if you're in it for the money, we're in it for the money and let's go win some games. You can't say that. You cannot say that. Uh, somebody had quote tweeted him and said, oh, somebody should have said instead of however much, like 74 mil, 84 mil over six years or whatever it was for rule, why not just take it for 34 million? If, if you don't want to be the Nebraska head coach and it's only about the money, it's just silly. Like that, that's, these coaches are saying it as a recruiting pitch. And Kenny Payne does it, and there's this group of U of L fans that cannot understand. Like they're like, he is out on nil, and it's like, no, they're just saying that to like make the make their bosses happy. They're saying that this school means more than just money. Exactly. You should want to come here for more than just money. But we'll you're not you dating just for my looks, Roush. You know, right? I'm more than just an amazing body. Yeah, <laughs> Scoots has heard that a lot. Have I? Got to watch out for the gold diggers. I'm trying to find the gold diggers. I am the gold digger. <laughs> Any luck? No. No. By, by the way, if, if any of you listeners got a sugar mama, you just let me know. Still looking. Well, get your text in 502-414-1450 and help Scooch find a sugar mama. Got to be one out there. I'm tired of working. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to work for me. Scooch, what age would you say too old or too young? For Scooter Magooter. Who? It's a pretty wide range. Young, <laughs> young. We've talked about if they don't know nine eleven, that's too young. Um, old. Uh, within ten years of my grandma, I'm out. Wow, that's that's pretty old. That's pretty yeah. old for Opa. Yeah, I I would go. I'd go sixties. Yeah, if they had enough so- money. <laughs> so i gotta keep when i'm hanging out with my mom's friends i gotta see if any of them are single and rich don't forget rich <laughs> rich is the main key there so what <laughs> you're trying to sleep it on boxes on the floor <laughs> so going the other way here they they just need to so they could be born after 9 11 they just need to know what the event was no if they were not alive for 9 11 they're out Oh, because initially you said they have to know about 9-11. Sorry, I phrased it wrong. They had to be alive for 9-11. Okay. Because that would put them at 21. 21. So they have to be at least 21. You got to be able to take scoots out for uh, for, (laughs) for tequila shots. Need some splatty platties. So just to be serious here, you're saying that you would date a college student? Uh, The the right circumstance, yeah. I mean, it, it would be... That would be one of those things that would be tough to get past, just the age difference. But once you're past that, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. But what I think so, <laughs> there's also probably a bigger difference between 21 and I don't know 26 than there is between 50, like 50 and 60. Like you, you, the age is just a number at that point, yeah, right? Absolutely. You can, make, yeah. you can make a case like up to 40 even. That that is super fascinating, Scooch. You're you're so in the middle here in your dating world. You could be going out clubbing potentially, or you could maybe be having a nice like seven PM bedtime. <laughs> seven PM bedtime sounds way better. Yeah, but with the right girl, <laughs> right? If if you're dating just this like smoke show and she's like, Hey, we're going out tonight and I want you there, you're gonna be there. But she has to be rich. That's the part you're forgetting. 
If she's not rich, she's out. You're not going to find a rich 23 year old. That's, that's why. <laughs> that's why I'm. That's why I look more towards the older ladies. Unless she's like an OnlyFans model or something. Imagine Scoots dating some like wealthy OnlyFans model. Man, could you all do that? Six figures with feet pics. Could you all date an OnlyFans model if you weren't married? That's a good question. That'd be tough. It's the kind of questions you get here on Kentucky Roll Call. I don't. That would. Yeah, I definitely could. Because a lot of people on OnlyFans don't post like raunchy stuff, allegedly. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think like. I would not want to date an OnlyFans model so I could also become a part of the content creation process. Like See, that, the, that's you, where that, that was going to be my next question, Roush, because I think it was naturally going to go there. But, Scooch, you remember we were talking about the challenge and how, like, it was kind of shocking how many of those girls ended up having, like, OnlyFans? Yeah. I think MTV, even to a point, had to, like, tell them, if you want to be on the show, you can't have an OnlyFans anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I read an article, and I, if I can find it, I'll send it over to you, but it's been months now, where they were saying that, like, none of their OnlyFans was actually really all that bad. Like, it wasn't – it was just, like – you know, Wondering pictures that they wouldn't have put cut. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, it was cold outside and you could tell through their shirt or something along those lines. Um, gotcha. I, again, I was, I was not subscribed to them, so I can't say if that's accurate or not accurate, but like if it's somebody that's just, yeah, Roush, like if it's a feet pick person, but I think naturally if you're dating somebody that's into only fans, which supposedly some people just make like an insane amount of money on that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What if they asked you to star in it? Like, we're not, I'm not going to ever show your face, but like, I'm going to need you in some content. Do you say yes? Scoot says yes to that, obviously. Oh, that's yeah. A no that's no a question. starter for him. He's like, he's like, show my face. <laughs> <laughs> show us your face. <laughs> what about you, Roger? Would you have to draw a line there? I would think so. Yeah. Cause like, the, then, uh, the your your pleasures becoming business, right? And it's taking all the fun out of it. Yeah, never date a coworker at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it would strictly come down to like as cheesy and corny as it is. Like, if I really, really like the person, I don't know if I'd let that be the end all, be all deal breaker. But it would be a pretty fascinating scenario how me and this imaginary person would have met. And like what conversation you'd get into and in which they'd be like, yeah, I do do OnlyFans. Is that cool? Like I'd, I'd, have, I'd probably really have to like the person for me to be like, yeah, well, I don't have an issue with that. I, I think also it's so, I don't want to say ubiquitous, but like it's so, so much more commonplace now. I think initially, especially if it's like bar conversation, you'd probably say yes. But then when it's like, okay, am I going to introduce yeah. you to mom? Then that's when you have to like actually – uh, have the those conversations in your mind, but uh, this is a fascinating topic, though. I can't believe it took us all the way till uh, the holly jolly Christmas season for us to have a conversation about this. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't Great. it be one of those things, though, that you would want to request to see the OnlyFans page first before you answer that question? I mean, I, yeah, I feel like you'd probably be yeah. subscribed by before the end of that conversation. Like you would be like, "You do what?" No, I don't want to. Dis- like, yeah. I don't want to subscribe. Just pull it up and show me. But that, that's also the thing, too, is, like, if you become a subscriber, I think they know who is subscribing. So, like, or, uh, yeah. yeah, they would know who's subscribing. So oh, that's, a, that's actually, that's another fascinating question, Scoots. Would it be, like, a good, I'm interested in you move, or, like, 
hey, I, I'm down for this. I support you. Wink, wink. And, like, you subscribe, like, instantly? Or do you not want to, like, scare her and be like, oh, she he's clearly only in it to, like, check me out. He's already even subscribed to my OnlyFans. That's another delicate question here. So wouldn't you have to have an OnlyFans? Well, I assume it works just like every other social media. Like, you have to have a Facebook page to become someone's Facebook friend. I, I think so. So, yeah, you would you would create your own account and then subscribe Only and then they would content, know it to you. It's behind a paywall. So you have to sign up and pay to be able to see what they got. Right. So I'm – I don't know. I'm – as bad as it sounds, I am going to create a fake page before I create a real page and, and add it. Oh, her. man. Scoots, yeah. this is great. Yeah. Yeah, you really are. Like, but uh, one thing I'll add, Scoots. Because I don't want to be creepy, you know? Like, I don't, don't want to just add her. I don't know if people, I don't know if OnlyFans creators get to see this or not, though. But, like, you have to sign up with a credit card. Like, I think you could do a fake name and stuff like that, but if the person sees your billing stuff, they're going to know it's you, but I don't I have no idea. Oh, they, they surely they can't see that. What? That would be wild. Yeah, but they may be like, account, so blah, 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 Justin, Scooter, Kalen, <laughs> and then, but it says like the screen named Big Hoosier Scoots <laughs> 74 or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Something that Roush and I certainly will never have to worry about. Scoots, <laughs> on the other hand, we can only hope. We, we really can't. Can. have to worry like, about all would, the things. That would be great for our show if Scoots <laughs> and started dating an OnlyFans model. Yeah, what stuff we're just, as the texter said yesterday, just stuff we're completely just making up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Now, now that text applies. Dating OnlyFans 101 here on KRC. Uh, we'll read a couple texts here on the Thornton's text line before we end our number one. couple thoughts on yesterday's game and the season as a whole. Uh, is this right? It's got to be right. No. No? Yeah? Yesterday's game. Maybe it got sent late. Oscar is about 70% of what he was last year. That's a huge issue. We actually read that yesterday. For some reason, you just sent it over again. I don't, I don't know that, why you did that. Maybe that same texter had, uh, mm, and there's really good action. For, yeah, all right, well, my 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 bad. Do we think oh, good, Oscar's at 100%? It felt like there's only been a couple games where he's been normal Oscar. And I also think some of it, too, is like what other teams are doing. When when he got the ball, it felt like UCLA's entire team was guarding Oscar Sheboy. Yes. There's more tape on him. There's more... These coaches spend hours and hours and hours watching film. There's more, hey, this is what works against him. And it's throwing three bodies at him, four bodies at him, being incredibly physical with him, just knowing they can't call every single foul against him. And this strategy wasn't just UCLA who's done that. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed with Oscar is just he's missing more layups. He's just missing more bunnies. He's missing more close shots that he normally makes. I think it texture could just be as simple as that. And that's just kind of tough luck, if you will. Maybe not 100% in conditioning. Maybe maybe the contact kind of roughing him up is getting him out of position or out of his feel, out of his rhythm. These are possible situations or explanations, I should say, for why Oscar's not playing his normal self. But I think all those are really easy, fixable things. I think it's just as simple as like he's overshooting a ball by two inches. that's hitting the back of the iron and bouncing off instead of swishing in like he's used to. He'll be, he'll be fine. I don't have any major issues with him. I think it's just all, and I think a 
if there, anything ever goes south with Oscar, it'll be a West Virginia situation where he's not happy with his role or I don't think it'll ever be playing time for him. He'll be on the floor as much as he's needed to be on the floor at Kentucky. But as long as he just keeps a good attitude, which I don't see any reason to think that he wouldn't, he'll be fine. He'll start making these shots. Pew, pew. That's all I got for hour number one. We'll put a bow on it. Hour number two. That's all, folks. And that will leave us just five more hours in 2022 when we return here on a roll call. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen return after this. Give Humpty a chance, and I'm going to do my dance. The Humpty dance is a chance to do a hop. Come on. Welcome back for hour two of Kentucky Roll Call. Nothing is over until we decide it is. With Walker and Rosh. We're just getting started, bro. Welcome back in hour number two, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Sports 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. And you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Kentucky Roll Call and leave a rating and review. That's always good stuff. Salsarita's Fresh Mexican Grill is always good stuff. And they're doing something really cool right now, and that is saving you money around the holiday season. $5 off orders, $25 plus, and that's now through the end of the year. So take advantage of it at either location, St. Matthews or Louisville. That's the perfect excuse to take the family. The little one can get a quesadilla. You get some tacos, maybe the mister gets a burrito, whatever combination you come up with. You spend over $25, Salsarita's is saying five of that. We're taking off, and who doesn't love saving five bucks? So online orders only. Mm -hmm. Online. Got to let people know that. Uh, And it's so easy to order online, Roush, with the Salsarita's app. It really is. Download it today. Quick, boom, you just... Oh, I'm going to do a bowl. Here's my options. I'll take that. I'll take this. A little pico. A little hot salsa. Ooh, corn salsa, too. I like that crunch to add in there. Um, I'm a guac guy. Maybe you only want half, or maybe you want double. All your options right there on the app. Easy peasy and lemon squeezy. And like we said, $5 off on order of $25 or more. So basically, if you order a meal for your family, they're just going to give you $5 in Salsarita's bucks. Love it. Does anybody eat corn salsa with tortilla chips, or is that just strictly something you always put in burritos, burrito bowls, stuff like that? I've uh, yes, I've I've had it before, and if it's well made, it's very good. Um, but it is a little different because it's just like it, you're just kind of getting chunks instead of like a puree type deal. Um, so it's a little different, but yes, I, I have done that uh, before, and it's usually like corns and corn, black beans, and maybe like uh, some like uh, rotel kind of like chilies. Like that's I would make that as my own like homemade, not as good salsa. Um, Sounds great. Salsa yeah. is two locations in Louisville. St. Matthews and Middletown has a drive-through. Save some money today with Salsa Ritas. Woo. Okay. We 
could get into some basketball talk. We can get into more text line. What do you boys want? Let's do some basketball talk. After all, SEC play is tipping off tonight for the Cats. And the SEC, it's good. It's good here this year. It is. It's very good. Uh, Well, let me start with the basketball talk with basketball talk that has nothing to do with tonight. And that is there's been a, a string of crystal ball predictions for Ian Jackson to Kentucky. Hmm. That's exciting. This is considered to be one of the best players in 2024, maybe the best player in 2024. He's been rumored to potentially reclassify, but most people have assumed he will not, or at least the understanding is that he will not. Which, Roush, I don't, I don't want to necessarily go down this road for topic of conversation. For starters, great news, just across the board. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. If you're if you make a list of UK's top targets in their last, I don't know, eight, it seems like Cal has gotten every single one of them, and that's not hyperbole. I think he's probably gotten the last eight players or seven players he's wanted. He's gone out there and got. So if you can add Jackson to that number, that's really really impressive. From recruiting, something seemingly has switched, and that's a good thing for UK basketball. But, Roush, you do at least have to mention, I think we've all kind of been on the understanding that we hope this season gets going the way that we thought it was going to. Still plenty of time for that to happen. Next season, nothing but getting excited about. You got so much good talent. You'll have good bigs. It's a good blend. It just seems like a really fun situation going into next year. And then we've all thought that would probably be a a good stopping point in terms of UK basketball going in a new direction. At that point, Calipari would be close to 65 and could be a good time to just mix it up. We've talked about that here on this show. I know a lot of people have thought it seems like just a nat. I think even Kyle Tucker wrote about it. Like this seems like a natural stopping point. If you get a monster 24 Roush, including Jackson, would that change things for you? Or would you or would you just have to draw the line somewhere and be like, I, I think, you know, if you win a national championship, that could certainly change the conversation. You go to a Final Four, that could change the conversation. Or do you still just want something fresh? Because that's going to be an interesting part. If the 2024 class starts to get really good, I may want Calipari to stick around just because I'm always going to want good talent to come in. Not that say another coach can't do it, but it, that could change things for a lot of people's perception if 24 starts getting hot and heavy. I think at some point, like, whatever happens on the court is going to matter much more than what happens in recruiting. And, mm-hmm. like, Cal's, for the most part, he's always got awesome players to come in. So, like, if, if, you, if you play the recruiting game, then – then yeah, then he's a lifetime contract guy. He's going to live out that lifetime contract. So uh, depending on how, um, what's that like? Just if Kentucky's been bad, then yeah, then it's time to move on. But like if they do go to Final Fours and he wants to keep coaching and he's going to bring in Ian Jackson, then yeah, let's keep doing this whole song and dance. But like the the. I, we don't have beef with like Cal fixed the recruiting aspect of it a year or two ago when he brought Antigua back. Now it's just the on court performance that has got people frustrated, and it all comes down to 
win tonight. And we aren't even entertaining conversations like that. Sure. Uh, you know, no, you're right. I, I, so for me, the answer is a lot of it just comes down to if he's winning, then it won't matter. He can keep on coaching here. Uh, and winning in March, I think, is more specifically because it's now been how many years since they've – eight years since the Final Four? Yeah, this will be the eighth postseason coming up. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, and that's too long. Um, I, I, I think that's the correct take to have. I just hand up, admittedly, and this could be a flaw. It would have to be bad. It'd have to be like a bad regular season and then an underwhelming, even still an underwhelming March for me to really even consider wanting to pull the drain on a possibly great recruiting class. And that's something that Calipari could potentially use as leverage. And the one answer would be like, you just have to sacrifice it. You'd have to say, yes, the talent's amazing that's coming in, but you'll have to assume that whoever you hire is also going to be able to bring in some good talent. And maybe maybe you do have to sacrifice a year to to just change the trajectory of where Kentucky basketball is going. But so much of this, to me at least, is bringing in the best of the best. And I'm not like I really think that I could coach some of the best talent in college basketball and do okay. Would I win a national championship or go to a Final Four? Heavens no. But do I think I could win some games in March coaching? I do actually think that. And maybe that's incredibly dumb and naive. But that's how much I believe in just talent wins the day in college athletics. And anything, really, right? Like any sport. The more talented teams are the ones that find themselves winning more times than not. That being said... If it's bad, I realize I come off looking like a sucker. Like, hey, time and time again, he's getting good talent. But the difference, Roush, and you you mentioned this, that like the recruiting changed once Antigua came back. It did. It, it certainly got better. But next year will be the first team that has felt like a freshman-heavy team since the Fox-Monk team. Like where, like, hey, your best three dudes are all freshmen. Like, it's not just like you you got one good. Because since then, it's kind of been like you'll have one or two good freshmen, but then you get a blend of transfer players. And we thought maybe that was the right recipe for success for Calipari. But I think it just comes back to this guy needs to have freakishly good talent to work the system that he wants to work. And he hasn't had as much freakishly good talent lately. Now, of course, we're talking in such like a luxury conversation of like, Mm-hmm. Yes, Kentucky has been super talented lately. We're not saying any other, but we're talking about like when you look at draft picks, you're having multiple, multiple first rounders. That will be the case next year. If you bring in Jackson, that's one for 24, let alone who else joins him. Carter Knox is 24, right? Yes. It seems like everything he says is glowing about Kentucky. Um, if you know, if you got Knox back in the picture, I'm just admitting, and I'm, I'm admitting that I'm, it's probably partially a flaw, but I'm just going to have a really tough time pulling the drain on a great recruiting class, even if the results are not exactly what we want them to be, Roush. But I do think I could draw a line if it's like, you missed the tournament, okay. I, I just You can't do that anymore. Now with the talent that you do have, even though admittedly it looks like it's going to be better in the future. But next year, Cal will be the coach regardless. We all know this. We all need to accept it. The year after that, though, is when I think it gets really interesting because I think everybody was on the same page that, like, yeah, this seems like a good stopping point. 
But if he's got another monster class, admittedly, I'm going to have a tough time wanting to push the guy out. But we shall see. Yeah. You said it best. Just win tonight. Keep winning. Mm-hmm. And then we don't even – nobody cares. You'll, we'll be happy. Everybody will be happy to have him – maybe not everybody, but most people will be happy to have him around if you just win. And you said it best, especially, especially in March. Tonight's not a March game, but it has an important feel to it. UK mm-hmm. needs to continue to show that they can just beat good teams. I think Missouri is a solid team. I don't think they're in the conversation of a UCLA or Gonzaga, but they may be in that Michigan, Michigan State tier, somewhere in that ballpark. It's a true road game, and it's going to be a packed house, Roush. This is, this is important. It feels important because it is important. Seriously. I mean, it, it, and and we don't get that very often against Mizzou. I remember a game, I don't want to say, it wasn't the COVID year, but there was a game in one of the years where the Cats weren't very good. It might have been the Nerlens year where game day came to Lexington for it. And Kentucky needed a win, and they got one. Um, yeah, I want to say it was after Nerlens got hurt, too. Um, and they played well against Phil Pressey and co. If my memory serves correct, and uh, Alex Oriaki was yeah. on that Missouri team, and yeah, Rupp was popping for that game, and it was a fun night out in Lexington too, as well. They uh, that was when Cal was like, "Hey, under eight, everybody stand up." Yeah, and, that's right. And people did it, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think they so- kept doing it like the rest of that season. Unfortunately, I think at home everything went well, but not so much uh, on Elsewhere. the road. Right, right, right. Especially um, not in Nashville against Vandy in the SEC gosh, tournament. That was tough. Kevin uh, Stallings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but, so it, it's good to just have the big game kind of feel back to it. And it's it's probably good for this team to get tested once again outside of Rupp. Because if you do go out, play well, score a bunch of points, win this ball game. Come back to Rupp, put it on Louisville. Like you, you can see where this team is picking up some positive momentum, and I think that's really what, like, where they've struggled this year is they have their moments, but they haven't been able to really string together wins and to win a tough, hard-fought game on the road. That that could really get you moving in the right direction. I think that's one of the big things we we've been missing from this team thus far. Totally agree. Uh, this would be a good one. It'd get the fan base, I think, relatively excited. And then you'll beat the snot out of Louisville. That'll be fun. Then you'll get to beat LSU in your home SEC opener, first game of 2023. That one, I, I don't think, should be an issue for the Cats. And then you could have a fun Saturday on the road where you feel like, to some degree, you're playing a little bit with house money at Alabama. But to get to that house money game, you need to take care of business up to this point. And, and folks, I know there's going to be some people out there that may lose their minds if UK loses to Alabama. Another ranked team. We can't beat ranked teams. If UK loses to a top 10 team on the road, chill. Just chill. Like, those are tough games to win for anybody, even if Kentucky was the number one ranked team in the country. But to get to that point where you could watch that game somewhat carefree or not where a loss really kills you, you just got to win these next three. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about them. Kentucky's the better team than Missouri and certainly the other two opponents as well. Uh, I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care if it's on the moon. You just need to play good enough basketball to win. Missouri's not 
likely to slow things down and muddy up the game for the first time that really I can remember since Missouri's been playing Kentucky in the SEC. This is always one of the games I dread the most on UK's schedule just because it's usually one of the sloppiest, ugliest, boringest, not good basketball. Um, we were promised Missouri was going to be a competent basketball program when they joined the conference, and we were sold lies. Lies, lies, lies. Mm -hmm. But they are having a, a solid season this year. They like to play fast. They're offensive-oriented. I mentioned yesterday they're going to try to kill UK on backdoor cuts, mismatches out on the perimeter, and being able to take people off the dribble. They will make risky passes once they see somebody cutting, and UK just always needs to make sure they have their hands out. Um, Kentucky should be able to get some easy baskets here. There should be some transition points to be had. If this game does have the tempo and pace that it should, then it should be some, some easy run-out layups, points in the paint, that sort of deal. Roush, the more I read about this, even though Missouri's having a good start to their season, UK is just – it's a style that UK wants to play, and UK has more talent one through five even at the infamous four position for the Cats this season. It's just a game that UK should win. Well, so he – especially that they're they're not a good rebounding team either. You should be able to clean the glass, get some easy second-chance buckets. Um, th this game kind of reminds me of the Texas A&M game last year where they were unranked, but I, I want to say they were undefeated at the time or close to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't see their record here on Big Blue History, but like they had played well uh, going into that game, uh, had only one or two losses, but like there wasn't a whole lot there where you're like, this is this is a great world beating team. But they they did put up a hard fight in a really good atmosphere, and you know Kentucky ultimately ends up pulling away, winning by six. Feels kind of similar um, to this game, and the Cats. I mean, they didn't play particularly great that night. Um, they didn't light the world on fire from three-point land or anything like that. But um, they they out-rebounded A&M. They got some hard-fought points inside. Um, and they and did they knock down free throws? Yeah, they knocked down plenty of free throws. I don't know if we're going to have free throws get knocked down tonight. But it does feel similar where that Kentucky is a better team. You should win. But the atmosphere, the kind of buzz, it's going to make it a close game. But uh, ultimately, I think Kentucky should come out ahead. I'm terrified about UK's free throw shooting tonight. I expect it to be below 60%, and I'm not joking. I'll, I'll yeah. set it at 65. I'm really worried about that. But like, like you saying below 60, it, it's, it's shockingly bad, but it's not with this group. But no, this team all. is horrible. This team is just a bad free throw shooting team. They're, they're not good, yeah. And I worry about, like, on the road when the the other team's getting into it atmosphere-wise, you know, they're all going crazy. I I, I worry about that. And the, especially in clutch situations or late-game situations, we've seen this Kentucky team choke at the free-throw line. So this is a good chance for this team to really grow up, get their bleep together, because you should, if you're, I mean, if you're a good basketball player, you should have the confidence late in the game to be able to go step up in a pressure situation and deliver. And this team has not done that yet. That really does scare me about tonight. I still think Kentucky should be all right, um, but I, I, I don't doubt for a second that they're going to make things tougher on themselves by just being dreadful from the line. Yeah, yeah. And 
Man, you, as much as we talk about uh, Savir Wheeler needing to hit that outside shot uh, just to, to keep opponents honest, if you just hit free throws too, like <laughs> make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And like he was a solid free throw shooter last year until things just went south, and that has unfortunately carried big time into this season. And no offense, Casey Wallace is just as unreliable, unfortunately, for no for no apparent reason. That dude seems like he just oozes confidence, is a good shooter. We see, Whenever he has an open shot behind the arc, we want him to grip it and rip it. But at the free throw line, he stinks too, Roush. It's, 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 it's not just a Wheeler problem, but you're, it's more frustrating when it is your guards. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Figure it out, Cats. Can, can Figure it out, get a win, because it could be a lot of fun. Like, this could kick off a fun weekend, and that – I think part of, too, the the overall general negative vibes, whatever you want to call it among the fan base, the discontent, we we talked about it in November, like stacking up big losses in both sports, it, has, it, it really weighs on a fan base. Let's go stack up some wins for both sports. Like this could be a big, this could be a big week for the Big Blue Nation as a whole. So go ahead and get started on the right foot. UK three-point favorites, 81% of the money coming in on the Cats, and over-under at 152. It's uh, a big number. Vegas think it's going to be a close one, but 81% of the bets coming in on UK. We'll take our last break. We'll come back. We'll finish up the Thornton's text line. This is Kentucky Roll Call Roll. Wednesday edition of the show. TJ Walker, Nick Rush, Justin Kalen. Welcome back to Kentucky Roll Call. Sit your five dollar ass down before I make change. Welcome back. One final segment, Kentucky Roll Call. Roll Call. So we can always hear the music rejoin coming back? Uh, yes. It depends if if he plays like music or if it's rejoins from the computer. Like from gotcha. The yeah, if I play YouTube music coming back, then you all can't hear it. But if I play our rejoins that I have in all my KRC folders, you all can hear all those. Yeah. Gotcha. Always throws me for a loop. One final segment, Kentucky Roll Call. You can hear all of it, 7 and 9, Monday through Friday. TJ Walker, Nick Roush, and Justin Kalen. A fun UK football conversation in hour number one. UK basketball in hour number two. And let's get to the Thornton sex line to wrap up this hour. 502-414-1450. Where are we at? Oh, great question. I ask myself that all the time. Um, I'll be in Nashville later today, so that's exciting. Um, I'll know the answer then. I, I enjoy seeing all the teams arrive for bowl games. I just saw a video of LSU arriving. Of course, Brian Kelly. Every other place oh, has like 15 minutes of open bowl practice. Not Brian Kelly. Big shocker there. Um, here we go, though. Uh, here's a text that I don't understand the context at all. It's one thing to jump through hoops to defend a basketball or football coach, but to do that for a radio show is pretty funny. I don't I don't really know what that probably in reference to the tweet that I had out yesterday, it would would be my guess, which just 
driving to where was I going yesterday? Shelbyville. And everything is going fine in Shelbyville, from what I can tell. That's nice. Looks like they didn't get as much snow as we got in Louisville, but uh, not not huge difference one way or another. I was doing an appraisal on a gated community, Roush, and their mm-hmm. roads completely untouched. Like it, I was a little concerned on driving with my, and I've got four wheel drive, but they were completely untouched. But I figured, like a gated community, they would be the first. They would one. have somebody with a plow, like ready to rock and roll. So I asked the person, I was like, I was a little surprised you're all's roads. It looked like they probably did on Thursday night. And he was like, Oh yeah, they, they have not, they've maybe only gotten worse to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, I was like, why, why is, do, do they not come back here and pave? And he was like, it would be more expensive for the HOA to have to repair the streets than it would to have the service. And I was like, can't you not have the streets? Damn it. Like, I know that that can happen, but is it not like, can't you do five seasons without maybe having some pavement? I don't know, above my pay grade, but I thought Mm -hmm. it was the strangest thing in the world. I figured places with money would have heated roads more so than more so than untouched streets. But uh, anyways, losing my train of thought, I was out in the, so I was driving for an extended period of time. I'll be doing it again today, heading down to Lebanon Junction to see what's going on. In those in that neck of the wood, I've been down there like four times in the last two weeks. Probably should have better planned and uh, scheduled those closer to one another because that is a little bit of a hike, if we're being honest. But when I'm driving, I like to listen to other radio shows. Always have talked about it here on this show, and it was just almost like a hilarious. You couldn't even time it better if you wanted to. But uh, right when I clicked over, I heard the phone call. But they were just debating. KSR was debating Stoops and Cal and Ryan Lemon said. Cal doesn't show that he cares after losses. And it was funny. It was like a funny segment. It was just like kind of what you think KSR is going to be talking about the time that I'm tuned in. That's literally what they're talking about. So I tweeted about it. And of course, it it, it was a, a lot of interaction there. Ton of interaction uh, for a pretty simplistic tweet. They do a great show. Obviously, they don't need to hear that from me. I listened to Issel and Louie yesterday as well. And I also heard Rummage say that he celebrates a day, Steve Rummage celebrates a day called KCD, Kentucky Choke Day. And it's whenever UK loses in the tournament, he like pops a bottle of champagne or celebrates KCD Day. And I, it was like the saddest, <laughs> most embarrassing thing I think I've ever heard of my entire Wait, life. Steve, Steve Rummage is trying hard. <laughs> So, like, I listen to other shows. I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, I think radio, like, I think radio hosts that are like, but it's nice that they're listening. I can't believe you're listening to another show. I'm sure actors probably watch movies and musicians listen to other music as well. I do listen to other radio shows from time to time. So, I'm sure that tweet was in reference to that. I'm sure we're probably going to get more of them. Oh, so here we go. Uh, hard to keep listening with TJ's consistent whining about KSR. Yeah, you were whining on Twitter yesterday. Uh, you don't think <laughs> Stoops and Cal handle post game pressers after losses differently? Then maybe go back and listen to Cal after losing this tournament <laughs> last year. We get you think Cal can do no wrong, but don't make up stuff, please. <laughs> Yeah, me don't make stuff up, but say that Cal doesn't care about losing. I love the accountability that Stoops will take, but quit. You mentioned one post-game press conference at an SEC tournament, which I can't recall if he just was kind of laissez-faire about the whole thing or not. 
But he, oh man, has he talked about hating SEC tournaments and conference tournaments for, I don't know, his entire career. So what a shocker that he may have not been overly emotionally upset as you when they lost to Tennessee in the semifinals. Um, if I had a nickel for every time Stoop said, let's get to work, I could retire. And that's not even yeah, hyperbole. Yeah. It's true. Coaches have to talk a lot. That's why it's so silly to get so worked up one way or another about like what they're saying. Stoops uh, is worst one this year after the Vandy loss. It took him like an I, I'm when I say like an hour, I'm I mean I'm not it was it was it took forever. And that was one of those two where I, I don't know if I if I had something happening, but like for whatever reason I actually didn't go down. And I thought like I, I go to almost every press conference, but I had something. And so I was up in the press box and I was like, did this did the technology not work for the live stream? Like, what's going on? They're like, no, we're still waiting on Stoops. And, it, I mean, it took him almost an hour to do the press conference. Um, I will say, though, TJ, there is um, – like, if you're talking about a team and you have to listen to them speak every time, like, there are things that you just – like, you're, you're just going to get annoyed with and you have a different perspective of. Uh, and it's – for me, like, I'm less annoyed by Cal – now because i don't have to to do it anymore but like his they it used to drive me much more nuts when i had to listen to every time he talked so like i mean that's just and that that's just part of like the little odd things you do to complain about your job i guess no that's some that's one of the reasons i was excited to kind of get out of sports media with obviously a half foot in with the radio show it's because, like, I was kind of losing my love for sports a little bit. Like, just seeing how the sausage was made, having to kind of do the old rigmarole, stay several hours after games instead of, like, being able to go celebrate a fun win with friends and stuff like that or family. Um, it just, it, like, it wasn't as fun anymore. So I, I can totally understand what you're saying. And we talked a lot about Calisms yesterday. And I'm so much of the stuff he's doing is trolling – but I think what Roush was alluding to yesterday, and I ultimately end up agreeing with him, was just like, we need to know the baseline of trolling versus serious. And he's blurred those lines so much, you just you can't really put a ton of stock into what he says regarding anything, or so much like reading between the lines that it, it, does, it can just get annoying. Just like, like say what you mean, mean what you say, make a funny joke here or there, but like, you know, answer the basketball questions for us that actually care about basketball. Yeah. Like, like- the the thing he's doing now to troll the media is he always says that like he has to go like to end the press conference he comes up with some excuse that's like I got to go play with my dogs or I got to go catch a plane or I've got to go get in the like he comes up with something stupid every time instead of just and like that that's a dumb troll that is going to annoy us that is inconsequential but like I kind of think that one's funny. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's it, the I got to go get my dogs was a was a, was a new one. It's like no, you don't. You do not have to go get your dogs, Cal. Like you're 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 so full of it. I will say Stoops does a better job, like talking X's and O's with the media, much better job really than Cal does. Um, but that's like to say that one cares more about losses than the other is just made up nonsense. It's just completely and totally made-up nonsense. Neither one is at the point they are in their career if they're cool with losses. Come on, everybody. Like Those are just the simplistic takes that I think we can all come together on. A texter says, biggest issue with the three and four spots IMO is a glaring lack of toughness. think that's why we've seen more wear minutes. He's obviously not the answer, but I can see why Cal is playing him. Great point. Man, and great just, point, texter. Yeah. 
I just never really thought that was going to be an issue, Roush, but it totally is. Toppin is too passive. Yeah, and I, Livingston, I think it, it's like it can be there, but there's just uh, the confidence isn't there yet because he's still just so new, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. He hasn't, re- he hasn't turned that switch on to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I'm with you that hopefully it will, but it is an issue. And that's why you're seeing more wear minutes. And I don't know. It just limits your offense so much. But mm-hmm. it, it, he's got a solid plus minus um, in this recent stretch, not so much in some of the earlier stretches. I don't know. Somebody, somebody besides mm-hmm. somebody besides Ware is eventually going to need to step up and just take that spot. I really wish it'd be Livingston, but it seems like Cal is not overly eager to make to force the issue there. So we'll see, but it's uh, I, I totally agree with this text. Good job, text. They also add, it's also very clear where knows where he's supposed to be on the court. It's not the case for some of the other guys. And that, and so like, that's why like the, I've always been a little partial to Lance, even though he's limited in what he can do skill-wise. Like there is, like he has value. And I just, we just, I, I think part of the frustration is knowing that there are some long term limitations, but it's actually been a nice short term stopgap while Jacob Toppin struggled. Like may, maybe that'll wake him up, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. Lance dealing some minutes will wake up Toppin. And if nothing else, maybe it buys Livingston some more time to, to develop as well. So, um, you know, maybe all of Cal's mumbo jumbo is just a good way to just kind of buy time and, and what the what the cake bakes up. The problem is is kind of like what we alluded to yesterday um, and we discussed at length was the the we gotta know that it's the right recipe and that the oven set at the right temperature and that like we're going in the mm-hmm. right direction. And tonight it's a good way to move things in the right direction if you get a win, if you can score points, because that's that's the other thing about this game too, TJ. Like you you got to score to beat Missouri. They they score a lot of points. They give up a ton. So make those layups. Clean up when when you're getting those offensive rebounds. I, I I don't know if it was UCLA or what game it was where it just felt like there was a damn lid on the bucket near the rim. Just finish your your shots close to the rim. Go through contact. Finish strong. Uh, in hell, who knows? This could be a big Lance Ware scoring performance. Just cleaning up junk around the rim. Yep, it, uh, it it could be. I still just have so much hesitation when he's on the floor offensively, but it's going to be a game in the paint. I think it's a big guard game. Like, you know, Wheeler's probably going to be, I don't know. I, I, I looked on DraftKings about 20 minutes ago. They didn't have individual player bets, but I would probably take the over points for Wheeler and Wallace and Reeves if, if available. It's just the guards are going to get, a chance at a lot of runouts and hopefully they take advantage of it. I think it should be a big mm-hmm. guard game, but then again, you're right. The big should have an advantage in the paint as well. It's just, uh, it's going to be an up and down game. This would be a good game for Cal to also utilize that bench. And if, you know, one player is kind of not playing great, then don't hesitate to put somebody else in there. I'd like to see him force the issue with tempo. If you need to do kind of a token press here or there, then go ahead and do that. I, I love that token press too, because like it actually it has works. created some turnovers. Yeah, 
it, it's been working. So, it, like, I think Missouri is going to be speeding the game up enough where you won't have to press the issue. But if things start to bog down or Missouri realizes we can't really run with them, let's try something different here, then press the issue. You're more talented across the board. Uh, your guards are better than their guards. They do have, like, a, a, a severe Wheeler-like guard. And I feel like severe Wheeler usually – loses those matchups when he's playing somebody that's very similar to him. He usually kind of does better when he's guarding somebody bigger, weirdly enough. Uh, Probably because he's just, that's what he's more used to maybe, but uh, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch as well. A texter says SEC road officiating on deck for tonight. Man, great reminder. I needed that because I'm going to be losing it. Yep. Always good to get that refresher out. There's going to be some terrible calls. Let's hope that they don't send Oscar to the bench in the first five minutes. Always a a possibility, unfortunately. But yeah, there's going to be some garbage calls. I think we all should anticipate that. A texter says, oh, this from the sack pack. Are you going to add something to Roush or are we just going to read the text? No, no, no. Just going to read it. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers Packers are essentially John Calipari's Kentucky team. Still only one championship, despite having talent, to probably have won a couple more. They consistently have slow starts to the season. They tell their fan base to relax, start to get hot right before the postseason, then have a disappointing postseason loss where similar issues tend to seem to be to keep reoccurring. Their rival fan bases, such as my Bears, also care more about them losing than their own team winning. Anyways, <laughs> Bears will run the North starting in 2023. <laughs> That's from the sack pack. Good to hear from the sack pack, as always. Is Man, he- that is kind of eerily similar. Because how many, I mean, the, how many Packer NFC Championship games has Rodgers been to? Like six, six seven? Uh, it's been a lot. Yeah. Let's see. The kinda one like that he won against the Bears, that one was fun. Then Seahawks lost, Falcons lost, 49ers lost, Buccaneers lost. I think there's one more that I'm missing somewhere along the way. Yeah, so right Pain. right around six or seven. Pain. Oh, yeah, I think there's a Giants loss in there. Um, that could. Be oh, hard. yeah, the one where Coughlin's nose looked like it was going to fall off. I mean, yeah, so. that was a long time ago. But, yes, um, a lot. And also, like, how many Elite Eight losses does UK basketball have in our lifetime, mm, Roush? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, and that's the thing. It's like the Final Four, it's the final weekend you can make it it's the biggest spectacle in college basketball, the Super Bowl. It's the final weekend you can make it. And my team seemingly always find a way to come up one game short. Thanks for reminding me, Sack Pack. Go to hell, buddy. <laughs> by the way, just, uh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, one in four in NFC championship games. That, that, that's got to be at home. The, right? I, I've just named more than four. There's no, that's Falcons, what I read. 49ers. Is that an uh, old stat? Buccaneers. That can't be right. Yeah. Seahawks. I'm looking at maybe more. that's the four. Maybe that's the four losses. That must be it. Yeah. Okay. The the, the 49ers, Yeah, that's updated. One and four. The, the 49ers last year was not the NFC Championship game. Correct. Yeah. But it was just just at home, and they were the one seed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kirby says, sorry for my rant. Hate to rain on the fire cow KSR brigade, including Roush. I get Cal uh, cut off the nerd from interviews, so they all attack him now. But Leach Report last Thursday was pretty refreshing. David Sis breaking down tape and plays and analyzing what Cal is working on with a calm Leach talking about it. He is running plays. He is trying out a lot of lineups right now, but the main issue seems to be top and no showing 
in an underwhelming performance from the four spot overall. We're scrambling like hell trying to figure it out, but at the end of the day, Toppin hasn't been even close to what Cal expected, and we're trying to find our seven, eight-man lineup with only two players who are consistent right now. We all hate Lance and Oscar lineups, but tape showed that they were actually playing with more space and getting better shots with both of them in versus not. Maybe Cal is decent at doing his job. We are all frustrated, but we will judge this team in February and March. Yeah, and here's the thing, though, like that with the, the judging the tape people that come to defend Cal, like, you know, Cal, like we're, we're big boys. Maybe like, you know, Cal could also explain some things to us too. Maybe he doesn't want to get into the minutia of things because then he has to throw players under the bus. But like, if it is, if the tape says X, Y, and Z that helps this case, I don't know why, like, I, I don't, I don't know why that knowledge isn't, uh, Something we're not privy to. Now, like the approach I take to TJ, like I try to get football coaches on the record talking about scheme stuff. Um, and I I don't know. In, in basketball, it does feel like sometimes that like you can say whatever and Cal's just going to say whatever. So it's a little bit more difficult to try to like pry some of that X's and O's stuff out of him to understand the method behind his madness. Uh, you know me, I'm a big fan of talking it out. Like, I, I totally agree with your point that Cal could do himself more favors just to actually explain what he saw, why he saw it. He will do it more than we're giving him credit for. Right, but like, right. it, it, sh- did, yeah. it should be, be almost universal. Like, yeah, it's, it's usually like one thing that happened in the game that he like is a real sticking point for him. But then if you catch him on like Tuesday or Wednesday before a game or something like that, then it's hard to to really figure out what's what's going on in between the years. Yeah, it's almost like you'll get one like real X and O answer a press conference. And it should be more than that. It's fun when he talks basketball. And honestly, when you've got just like some random fan living wherever in Kentucky, it, it, you know, if Cal talks his rat when they just say something silly like he just rolls the ball out there or something. If Cal just explains his rationale, most of those people don't wouldn't even have a counter from an actual basketball analytic mm-hmm. standpoint. So he could do that on himself. Kirby, we appreciate the text. Maybe a little mean there off the jump, but I do actually appreciate David Sis basketball breakdowns. He does a great job with that stuff. A texture says, TJ, it seems like you and Matt have a small divide even after he provided you with a gig at KSR. I remember about a year or so ago, you called him out on Twitter and you all went back and forth, was surprised by it all. He called me out for uh, saying I didn't like the split box for having like an 85-year-old man during a UK basketball game, uh, which was a weird thing to just call somebody out that you hadn't talked to for a, a good bit. Uh, but he, he does his own thing. I obviously don't agree with him on a lot of stuff, but it is it's not personal for me. Random thought. Isn't it interesting Stoops has a promising record in recent bowl games, but such a poor record in coming off bye weeks? Both opportunities for extra planning and practice, but very different results when it comes to game time. And all his bowl games have just been incredibly close, which is strange. Not the case always in bye games, which sometimes are blowouts. Well, and you also, it's different for the opponent, too. Um, they're not always coming off a bye. And Freddie made the, the the point like Stoops is good at knowing how to play the balance with his players for these bowl games. Like he's not going to give them a curfew and a bed check, and like they they appreciate that. And so that when it is time to go to work, they're they're all about their business. So a, a bowl game is much different than the bye week. And like Stoops said on his college show, like it's also 
you know, you want to call it a spring game, fine, but like these things do matter. We're playing for a freaking trophy, you know. Uh, you only get so many opportunities to do that, so we're going to try to make the most of it. Um, which I, I found those comments to be interesting. Uh, I think we might hear from him today while we're down in Nashville. Uh, did you did you hear the part where Ryan Lemon said yesterday that uh, Tavion Robinson back in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I thought it was kind of understood with the videos that they were putting out there and whatnot. But yeah, great. That's I'm I'm huge huge uh, fan with that news. Mm-hmm. Having those three wide receivers with the tight end room, hopefully, will be a hundred percent. That's and with Cohen's offense and Leary slinging it around, that's that's a thing of beauty. Uh, I can't remember a more stacked UK offense. Make sure the offense aligns where it's need to be, and let's put up some points in twenty three. Yeah, and I also threw in the J.J. Weaver stuff, too, in that, the post I wrote, because it feels like he's going to come back as well, but with either, we haven't heard anything official. But uh, you would be getting two of your stars. We're like Those could be two of your star players next year, should be coming back in 2023, so big deal. T.J. Uh, Nick and Future Scoots took the family to Asheville, Grove Park Inn, for Christmas this past weekend. Highly recommend for next holiday season if you're trying to get away. My six-year-old loved the Biltmore, and the town is extremely family-friendly. Anyways, it's my birthday, so Cats win by nine tonight. Peace. Woo. Happy birthday, buddy. And I, the wife and I stayed at the Grove Park Inn when we went to Asheville. I absolutely loved it. Played the golf course. Absolutely loved it. Played pretty well. We went to the Biltmore, did a similar trip that you did, and it was amazing. So glad you had fun. Hope you're having an amazing birthday, and the Cats win a big one for you. I love that he said future scoots, because I don't have a family. Not yet, (laughs) but we're going to get you an OnlyFans, girl. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to get you one. Uh, One texter says, so TJ doesn't like Matt Jones because he referred to TJ as a realtor. Comedy, go sell a house, bum. That, and he fired me, according to Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you dorks acting as if you don't know how only fans page work fans only pages work is solid gold you were oh, the one man. who called it the wrong thing texture you know what it's called and i know what the format of the front page looks at because some of those mtv people i clicked on their profile but you can't see anything because you then you have to put in credit cards and money and stuff like that so that's the extent i know um I think you would be a complete doofus to pay for that sort of stuff in this day and age, but yeah, like, their own, I guess. It's free online. <laughs> yeah, just go to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line of the show. That's amazing. John here. Good game day morning, everyone. Okay, Luca might be the best player in the NBA. His triple-double numbers were outrageous. For our Cats tonight, I have us winning by 13-plus with Oscar as the MVP. We'll got to go talk to you later. John, you have a great day, buddy. Hope you're doing well. A 13-point-plus win would be awesome. I would love, love, love that. And, yeah, Luca, what, 60-20-10 and 10 last night? That's, Not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. First time ever. Uh, whew, one texture says, bleep yeah. yeah bleep uh, yeah. I like, TJ, that you said how much time. Right after Scoots gave us, like, seven warnings before we came back from one break. That was that, – Funny I was gone. I was on my phone then because I just Uh-oh. needed to, like, I just wanted to know how much time I had to sprint back and barely made it in time. Sorry, I missed that. But no sweat, Scooch. You don't, don't, don't let, it, don't let it bother you. I'll be Scooch Sugar Mama. I'm a divorce mama, ready to spoil the little fella. Let him know, Mister Realtor TJ. This has catfish written all over it. I'm out. I can buy your all's first home. <laughs> Hey, Scoots, Scoots knows Catfish. He watches that show all the time. So you, you ain't right. going to get him. Roush, 
by the way, did you see Ramiro's is closing? What? No, no. I knew you was No, when's that happening? I think at the end of the year. Oh man, that we got I'm gonna have to take the wife in. We love that place. Uh one, one of the best patios to to drink on. Oh man, and that's a that's a place where you 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 get stuck drinking their margaritas and it's like, all right, we gotta we gotta get a ride home. Like, oh man, I love that place. That's a that's a real shame. I wonder if that was just a rent's getting too high. It's prime location. Yeah, so. yeah. Very, very good. Oh man, that's, that's they had a good run. Fifteen years in the restaurant business. That's that's mm-hmm. solid. Yeah, I was sad to see that. Uh, we'll just have to go to El Mundo across the street. Is that still there? I hope. Uh, I hope El Mundo's still there. Both of those places, very good. Agreed. Uh, Texter says, TJ really ticked off Matt yesterday with this tweet. I loved it. It was just a funny moment. Tweeted it out. I, I think uh, nobody should get too worked up about it. Roush's former ex-boss and TJ. You have to pick a side, Roush. Go. Love the Kirby text about the KSR Army pushing the Cal. Hey, David did break it down, but it doesn't fit. The KSR Cal doesn't run plays rhetoric, so nobody wants to talk about it. Well, like, well, I don't think KSR is going to talk about a Tom Leach radio segment. Yeah. To, to be fair, Texter. To be fair. Yeah. It's also really right. difficult to discuss play breakdowns that are video, visual, and radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's give predictions for tonight. Everybody love everybody. 502-414-1450 is the text line. Our updated scoreboard here. Roush got the last point for the closest score in the Ooh. Florida A&M game. None of us dweebs had Wallace as the MVP, so no points for MVP last week. Justin is still winning. Remember, negative points yes. if you get the result of the game wrong. So, Scoots, have at it, pal. I'm going to take, you said minus three for Kentucky. Give me the Cats by seven, 77 to 70. And the MVP is going to be Oscar. Yeah, smart to take Oscar there. I will take UK 81 to 76 and go ahead and give me Wheeler, actually. He gets a double-double tonight. Roush? 83-79 Kentucky. And um, how about Lance? Lance cleaning up around the glass, doing the dirty work, going to get 14 points tonight and be your MVP. Okay, it's across the board. UK picks. 81% of the bets coming in on UK. It makes, me a, little bit, makes me a little bit nervous because then you could have Vegas doesn't usually lose a lot. So, uh, anyways, we'll see. Everybody enjoy your Wednesday. Enjoy the game. Go Cats. We'll be back on Thursday. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio. Okay. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I thought to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. No diggity. I thought to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I thought to bag it up.